Welcome to You Might Hate This Book, where each episode one of us will recommend a book to the other. A book that we love that we suspect our co-host might hate. Well, hate is a strong word. How about falls outside of their traditional scope of interest. Fine, that's fair. A book they would never have chosen to read otherwise. We'll read the assigned book, then come back together to discuss. Did you love it? Or did you hate it? So you agree we might hate it. (sighs) Yeah, you might hate it. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Hannah. And you might hate this book. If you've been keeping up with this this month on Instagram, you know that we're doing a book giveaway. Yes, it's an exciting book. We think you will all be interested in it. Yeah, it's one of the ones that I said was my favorite from 2022. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. I loved it, and I have already recommended it to several people, and most of them said that they loved it too. Kyle yes. said it was good, but... We think it will it. appeal to our male and female listeners. Um, it was Goodreads. 2022 book of the year for fiction so i suspect many people will like it and hopefully not all of you have read it yet but if you want to be entered into the contest to win a hardcover copy of tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow um go to apple Podcasts, leave us a rating and a review and if you screenshot that review and you can send it to us in a dm on instagram or to our email address hate this book pod at gmail.com so that we can verify that you did it and your name will be entered to win and you will be sent yes. a book. You should definitely enter, even if you already have the book or have read it. You can gift it. Yeah. Give, give <laughs> the gift of reading. <laughs> give the gift of reading. Mm-hmm. I love that. Like, where the posters in the library that say read. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have one with my face on it. I have one, too, because <laughs> our college did that. Yeah. I'm not smiling in mine because I was going through my I'm too cool to smile phase. Oh, right. Did you work in the AV library? Yes, I yes, did. Yes, I worked in the main one. I have the book in front of my face, so you can't tell I, I I'm smiling. I don't even know what book I'm holding, or did they just hand me a book? I don't know. I brought mine. They I definitely a... just made me do it. They were like, come outside. We're taking your picture for that thing. Oh, no. I brought a, one of my copies of Alice in Wonderland. Oh, that so, makes sense. Right. I have no idea what book I'm holding. I wonder if it's still up there. You should look it up. I still use my picture as my little Google Oh, yeah, yeah, profile. yeah. It just seemed fitting for an English teacher, you know? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I've used that for years. There might be a picture of me unsmiling and holding a random book that I was handed yes. up in the library of our university. I wonder what they did with those. They had the them, old ones? They had them all up in the library until they renovated it. And then right. Where did they go? Are Maybe they there's a, a room somewhere with just all of our faces. We should ask our friend that yeah? works there. Mm-hmm. That's so funny. Project. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So I have a really important question you for you. You always do, and I'm going to try to give you my best answer. Would you rather live alone in a house haunted by a friendly ghost or live with your friends and family in a house haunted by a very malicious ghost? Oh, no. I love my friends and family, but I think I'm going to choose A. <laughs> like, really? I, well, a malicious ghost, A sounds scary. Yeah. And also, I don't want to subject the people I love to that. Gosh, you're so selfless. So, I don't want to be alone. No, <laughs> so, like, I'm taking my no, family and the scary ghost. Being alone doesn't bother me. 
Um, COVID lockdown, I was fine with. (laughs) I mean, for the most part, me too. Like, I'm an introvert. I'm okay with being alone. I don't know the idea of... I think I would still be scared of a friendly ghost. Even if they prove themselves to be friendly, I would still be scared and I would not want to be alone in that experience. So I guess I'm bringing my family into it and making them suffer through a malicious... I I think I need to... But you'd have each other. Yeah, but I... That's quite selfish. I think I need to no, look, no, I think I need not, to look in that. It's not selfish. Not, no, that's fine. But I wouldn't be alone. I'd have Casper. <laughs> I did love... Did you watch Casper? Oh, yeah. Oh, I loved that movie. With the... Um, Ricci. What's her name? Christina, Christina Ricci. Ricci. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Bill Pol- Pullman as yeah. the dad. Um, I was watching the episode of Grey's Anatomy that Christina Ricci is on from, oh, like, yes. season two or something. She's, like, the EMT. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think she has a Casper tattoo on her back. Really? I think I saw a glimpse oh, of it. We should Google this. Yeah, later. I, I didn't. Air. Instead, I'm going to speculate to an audience That's of people. Fine. That's fine. I love Christina Ricci. Me too. She's the one in Penelope, right? The movie uh, with the pig nose? Yeah, but I never saw that. Oh, you should. Have you watched Wednesday, the no, series? No, I have not. She's in that. Oh, Which oh, is cool, cool because she played this. Yeah. Yeah, she did. I need to watch more television. <laughs> Quit reading all these books. <laughs> yeah, we should stop reading books and watch more I, TV. I used to sew, so I cross-stitch, and then I'd watch a TV show. But now I've gotten into the habit of sewing and listening to a book or mm-hmm. podcast, which is probably better, but... I mean, who's to say, really? <laughs> I anyway. I love TV and books. I do, too. Okay, well, the question that I asked was on topic it because was. today's book is... The Sundown Motel by Simone St. James. I almost lost it there, but I found it. You got it. So I'm going to give you a summary. The Sundown Motel tells um, parallel stories of Viv Delaney in 1982 and her niece, Carly Kirk, in 2017. So in the 1982 timeline, Carly's Aunt Viv took a job as the night clerk of the Sundown Motel, a small mysterious uh in the small mysterious town of Fell, New York, and then she disappeared. Um, then in the present timeline in 2017, Carly, who is the same age as her aunt when she disappeared, leaves college and moves to Fell, New York in search of answers about her aunt. And she finds herself taking on the same job at the Sundown Motel and living in the same apartment and facing many of the same terrors. In Viv's timeline, she's obsessed with the murders of several local women, so she's working at the Sundown Motel at night, and the ghost of Betty Graham appears to her and warns her of trouble. Viv starts to suspect a strange traveling salesman named Simon Hess, who frequents the motel when he is in town, is guilty not only of the murders happening in Fell, but also of Betty's murder. So Viv recruits some friends to help her try and catch um, Simon, And winds up in a little bit of trouble. And her story, that timeline leads up to the night that she disappears from the Sundown Motel. And by chapter, we're switching back and forth between Viv and Carly. Mm -hmm. So that's Viv's timeline. In Carly's timeline, she is obsessed with her aunt's disappearance. So she's working at the Sundown Motel and puts together clues of what her aunt was doing in the weeks before she disappeared. And also begins to connect the murders that her aunt was connecting. When she realizes that the last body was found on the night her aunt disappeared, she wonders if Viv got a little too close to the truth about that series of murders. Meanwhile, a local guy named Callum is on a similar quest as Carly is. 
he is trying to find out what happened to his grandfather, none other than Simon Hess, who also disappeared in 1982. Carly and Callum's quest begins to cross over and then conflict, causing problems. Right. That was a good summary. Yeah. You gave a lot more info than I imagined you would. Well, I also had to re-familiarize myself with this uh, book because I have not read it in a while. And normally, like, if I have it on audiobook, the days before we record, I'll just, like, listen to sure, yeah. par parts of it just to, like, refresh that. myself. I don't have this one on audiobook, and I don't own it. I borrowed it from our friend Lauren, and oh. she has it back. Because oh. I was going to just flip through it. I was like, I know I read a hard copy of this. I must own it. And I looked, and I was like, I borrowed it from somebody. Mm. So I I did a, a deep summary because I had forgotten what happened. Well, I appreciate the deep summary, and it reminded me to say at the top... You and I had this discussion off air, but we can't talk about this without spoilers. Yeah, we have we, to spoil it. So if you want to read this, go read it and then come back to us, please. Um, it's a good fast read. And Lauren has it. So if you know Lauren, go, yeah, borrow, sure, go borrow her book. book. I listened to it on Libby. Um, you know, Libby lies. It'll it'll tell me that these books I want to rent have like weeks and weeks of a whole. And then you'll get it. But I'll get it like you know, three weeks ahead of schedule. I'm like, what is this? But then they all come in at once, uh -huh. and I don't know what to I do. I hate when that happens. Anyway. I love when they just, like, happen one at a time, and you get to finish one and get a new one, finish one and get a new one. But then, like, 12 holds yep. will come in all at the yep. same time, and you have to renew them all, and I, yep. I usually can't figure out which one I want to start first, and then I have this, like, panic. Pa paralyzing yeah. panic where I'm like, what do I do? This probably means we're putting too many books on hold. <laughs> I is that what it means? They they allow you twenty holds. Like, I'm gonna. I've always used all of them. I never don't oh, have. I don't all. even. I think I use consistently half, sometimes more. I mean, I would say that I average fifteen. Oh, okay, okay, cool. But yeah, thank you for that summary. There's a lot going on in this book. So, okay, so I think you gave it a two point five. Okay. I gave it a four. What? It is my second four. Yay! Yay yep, four stars. Um, it was fun. Yeah, I enjoy. I listened. I mean, to I the obviously thing. think so. Right. I will say I listened to the whole audiobook. Yeah. Um, it was a very engaging audiobook. Well done. And I just, it was fun. Like that's what it came down to. Like it wasn't even just pancakes. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It had nice syrup, and you know, so I liked it. I would recommend it to other people if they liked thrillers if they like ghost stories if they like family mysteries if they like true crime yeah <laughs> there's a lot going on there in this is book, which i think for me what was a good thing well and that's kind of what you had to say about um erotic stories for punjabi widows yeah. is it had lots of different elements and if it had only been one of those things it might have fallen flat for you yes so that might have been right. what brought this up yeah I, I guess so. I didn't connect that until now. But yeah, there was a lot going on. So even the storylines that felt a little more flat to me, I could, you know. Yeah. I was having fun with the rest of it as a whole. Cool. So yeah, it was a good read. Well, I'm so happy. Yeah. Um. So I guess, I don't know, do you want me to talk about the cons first? Sure. Like we Tell us do? the couple things you don't like. So the things that kept it from being like a full five stars, probably the biggest one is that for me, this book was pretty predictable. Okay. I predicted most of what happened. Okay. Um, which was not, like I said, did, I gave it four stars. It was fun. There was just so much going on, and I was engaged enough with the story that it didn't bother me too yeah, much. Yeah, but a nice five is like, what? Yeah. At I, the end. And I didn't have that moment. 
Um, which is fine. I like the ghost story angle. I figured out pretty quickly what was happening. The killer figured out what was going on there. Um, she dropped some pretty big hints. And then the big, I guess, spoiler is that Vivian, Aunt Viv, is alive. Mm-hmm. I predicted that way early. Like, I'm like, oh, okay. she, she ain't dead. I just, I just kept saying to myself, no, no, she's around. And I even, as it got closer, predicted the circumstances okay. surrounding her disappearance. Um, and when... I guess I can talk. We're yeah, not. We're we're, we're not spoiling all the way. So they, you know, um, Carly and her friends find this body in a car in a barn that's been there for years, and she's convinced it's her. It's her aunt Viv. Yeah. And the whole time I'm sitting there going, "That is not a woman in that car. Mm-hmm. That is Simon Hess. Your aunt killed him. <laughs> I know it. And you know, I know it in my bones. Like I did. I, and she was just so worried. I'm like, you don't have to be worried, girl. It's his car. Like, and he disappeared too. If he killed her, like, no. He anyway. Yeah. So that was probably the thing that knocked it down a star for me. Was just that it was pretty predictable. Yeah. But I still enjoyed it. Um, the other thing was just because there was a lot going on, some of the characters I felt got a little short shrift. Sure. And there were some loose ends to tie up, particularly in the 2017 timeline with Carly's friends, Nick and Heather. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked them as characters, but I didn't. I felt like Heather just kind of disappeared after a while. Yeah. And then Nick, so she meets this guy, Nick, at the hotel who has his own awful backstory his dad murdered his brother and almost murdered him but he got out of the house and he left town and now he's back and i kept waiting for that for that story to To connect in some way to connect to her aunt and the other murders i i was like it has to be here for a reason right nope it's just backstory there's just it's just this guy who's a love interest that you don't even really need yeah because the story has enough going on as it is again i didn't dislike his character but what purpose do you serve, really? Yeah. And his, it didn't sparkle. No, it didn't. Um, so, that and I, I did want to know more about Heather. Like, she had issues. They kept bringing up how she had anxiety medication. <laughs> like, I was like, should you really be helping this other girl you just met uh, solve a murder? Yeah. <laughs> Solving murders really helps with one's mm, anxiety. No, yeah. Um, Actually, I'm going to get to that later. <laughs> Okay, cool. All right. Well, we'll put a pin in that. So, but she kind of, she really disappeared, like, when things started happening at the end. um, Because she just had to be like, I'm out. Yeah. Can't handle this. I'm going to go back to the apartment. And you don't, you don't really see her again. And the last thing, I'm glad you mentioned him in your summary, Callum Mm -hmm. Gray, the grandson of Simon Hess, the serial killer. I didn't get why he was there. I read some reviews that were like, it felt like he was just thrown in to... To be a villain in the present day, because there was a yes. villain in the past timeline, but there's not really a villain right. there in were the all present these, timeline. Yeah, there were all these parallels. Um, like, Viv made two friends, Carly made two friends, they both work at the sundown, they see the same ghosts, all that. So yeah, I guess it makes sense in that way, but he really didn't show up but a couple times. Yeah, and it wasn't needed. I think it was just to have a current baddie. Yeah, and even the conflict at the end that he kind of stirs up, you could have had that big climax and resolution without him there. Yeah. Like, it it just wasn't necessary. Um, And he just was, had super creeper vibes. From the <laughs> minute you meet him, I'm like, who is this guy? And don't talk to him. <laughs> yeah, and she even thinks to herself, yeah, I don't want to talk to this guy. <laughs> and I'm like, then don't. <laughs> then don't. 
That's a good life rule. If you don't want to talk to the guy, uh, don't. Girls, trust your intuition. That is something my mother taught me from a young age. If it feels creepy, it probably is. Yep, you trust your instincts. Yep. I even had an elementary school art teacher that told us that. that yeah. Women had good intuition. He was a man. And he always said, you girls need to trust your intuition. Yeah. I was like, oh. One of the, my favorite murder um, catchphrases is, I'm going to bleep this out, don't worry. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> politeness. Like, oh, yeah. Women are, like, tempted to be like, okay, well, this feels weird, but, like, I'm supposed to be polite. No. If you're wrong, fine. You can apologize later for being rude, but be yep. alive. So, I, politeness and stay alive. Yep. I, uh, I think I've always done that. Uh, for sure. <laughs> I, like, my mom, well, I didn't date a lot, and my mom would tell me I intimidated guys. <laughs> and I was like, hey, look, I'm not... I'm not interested. Like, go away. I'm not going to put out polite vibes just to make you happy. Oh, man. See, I was just like... I feel like I was born with that. (laughs) I was like, please accept me. Oh, this feels very uncomfortable and I'm definitely in danger. But it sounds like I should still be polite to him. I want love. It's a wonder I'm alive today. No, no, I was polite to my teachers. (laughs) (laughs) I I was that kid. I was also polite to my uh, teachers for the most part. That's who I wanted approval from. <laughs> anyway. Oh, okay. No more self-revelation. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. Other than that, though, I really, I enjoyed the book. Um, so, I'm going to get into the prose. Yeah. Now. It was really fun and engaging. I thought it was a good pace. The alternating timelines didn't mess me up or anything. It was a lot of fun to read. I liked that it had all the different things going on. The murder mystery and the family, the ghost story. And then there was a lot of character development and friendship um, that happened throughout the book. So that was nice. As well as a good bit of social commentary, Yeah, I thought, um, about violence against women. That was not... It didn't feel revenge-fueled like mm-hmm. some other books we've read. Books I've read. <laughs> not naming names, uh, but they never learn. Um, <laughs> And it didn't feel dogmatic or, like, heavy-handed. I wouldn't say it was subtle. It wasn't subtle. But there's a tone. There's a... Yes. I'm not being subtle, but I am being... Fair-minded about it, Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not being subtle, but I'm also not being aggressive. And then there's, like, okay, settle down. You're being very aggressive. And, yeah. Yeah. I don't think people like being yelled at in their books. No, and there was multiple... The characters from the 1982 timeline, you know, they they made mention of, you know, we were women working alone at night. We knew the risks. And, like, Mm -hmm. that kind of theme keeps being brought up. And you've got both Vivian and Carly working this night shift job alone, young females. And that is made very clear to the reader. Like, it's not, again, it's not subtle. But that this is a dangerous world for females, especially when they're alone, especially when they're young. Yeah, and especially e- at night. Yeah, and there's even some disconnect between the 1982 and the 2017. Because, because of time passing. Exactly. Um, Aunt Viv's two friends, Alma, who's a policewoman, and then Marnie, who is a photographer, they have to explain to Carly, like, it's not the, it wasn't the same then as it is now because Carly kept saying, well, she could have gone to the police with this. And they're like, no, no. baby, <laughs> she, not with what she had. Um, so I appreciated that aspect of the book. I really liked it. Um, and I enjoyed the alternating POV and timeline. Um, both Viv and Carly, I enjoyed their voices. Yeah. I enjoyed them as characters. I could sense the pattern in the writing, but it didn't seem like contrived or pat. It actually helped me keep track of the story, which I think was important when you're jumping 
back and forth between these characters and these timelines. Like, for instance, I already mentioned the two friends. Mm -hmm. They've had Alma and Marnie, and then Carly comes into town and has Nick and Heather. So that was nice. So speaking of those side characters, I really, Nick and Heather were fine. Like I said, they were a little underdeveloped there at the end, but I really liked Alma and Marnie. Alma was cool. I liked both of those characters. So Alma was the only female cop in this small town in Mm -hmm. 1982. Um, So she offered a unique perspective. She And Marnie was not only a woman trying to like run her own business as a photographer, but she was also a black woman. So she had double the barriers placed in front of her and the way and they're both older than Viv when they meet her Mm -hmm. so the way they tried to counsel her and give her advice while also protecting her I really liked seeing how that relationship developed nice little friendship dynamic it was sometimes you need an older friend yeah you really do it's it's very helpful and so I liked the way that they did that for Viv and then they later did it for Carly especially Alma Mm -hmm. um Marnie has a little more self-preservation to her which makes sense Fair. for her as a character. Um, but they were definitely, I think, more fully developed than Carly's friends, Nick and Heather. And I, sure. enjoyed, I enjoyed spending time with them. And then the ghosts. Ghosts! Let's talk about the ghosts. Let's talk about they ghosts. They were so fun. <laughs> I enjoy, I like a good ghost story. Yeah. Um, I'm a big X-Files fan, so the fact that one of the ghosts kept being referred to as the Smoking Man really... Is that an X-Files reference? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. there's... There's the smoking man. He's this mysterious government agent that shows up, like, in the pilot episode, and then he comes back later and, like, becomes a very big part of the plot line. I guarantee that was planned. Yeah, so um, I like that the ghosts followed, like, ghost tropes, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, because they all died in that location. So that's right. why they were there. That's your explanation. They didn't. They weren't all murdered, but they all died in this motel. And Betty... Man, mm-hmm. she's creepy. Mm-hmm. She was so... I think that and she was, gets mad? Oh, yeah. The way she describes her and the way she looks at Vivian the first time she sees her, that was very creepy in a good way, um, like any ghost should be. So I enjoyed reading that. Yay! Um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I, I was looking at some reviews, and there's one from a, a website called Crime by the Book. It's all, it's all crime and thrillers. And... Um, That reviewer said, yes, this story will ultimately have a logical, earthly conclusion, but that doesn't make the ghosts less real. Yeah. (laughs) And she did a really good job of blending the reality of the murder mystery and the serial killer with the supernatural. I thought that's I thought so, too. I really hate when the excuse for something is like magic. Okay, Like when you don't even bother to tie your plot together. It's just like it's supernatural. And so anything goes. I hate that. And the supernatural element wasn't the twist or anything. Yeah. Like, it was just, it was all interwoven very well, I thought. Yeah. Um, And so, I enjoy it. I enjoy a good supernatural. I do know that about you. Uh, Yeah. So, that was, that was cool. The last thing I want to mention is I really liked the ending. Yeah. Uh, And that goes along with how I think it was a little bit more fair-minded about the messaging it was giving about violence toward women and women taking matters into their own hands. Because ultimately, you know, Carly's Aunt Viv disappeared because she confronted a serial killer, a man who had killed three, was it three women? I think so. And knew she didn't have enough evidence for the police to believe her, so she kills him. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that makes sense to me. And 
after the fact, Alma and and Marnie help her, you know, deal with the aftermath, but she goes into hiding. That's why she disappears. And I don't think she regrets her choice. But she also understands that she broke the law and yeah, killed a person. And that there are consequences. And she even when she meets up with Carly, her niece at the end, she says, like, I've not really been happy. So at the end, she turns herself in. And it, it was just interesting. It kind of reminded me of heroin when we read mm-hmm. when you had me read that, because it was it just seemed like a more realistic ending yeah. for, for a novel that has ghosts in it. Um, <laughs> like, I did this thing. I'm not sorry about it. I had to do it in a way. I think she feels. Yeah. But I still got to deal with it. Yeah, you and, don't just get to ride off into the sunset and go be a serial killer in a different country like right. uh, and, Scarlet. And she, you know, she lived for like, what, 35 years mm-hmm. free and avoided detection entirely because, again, this is also part of the messaging. I think people just thought she was another disappeared female in, in yeah. the early oh, 80s well. to add to the long list. So nobody was really looking for her. And in fact, she got rid of the guy who was killing all the females, which is a nice little twist. So I don't know. I mean, it was a little bittersweet at the end when Carly finally finds her aunt and then her aunt turns herself in at the police station and they're dealing with that. But like, but it was a nice blend between getting getting justice and having your freedom and also dealing with the consequences of your actions. Like a nice little meeting in the middle. It was. And the other thing I liked about it is that all the justice that was done both the murder of the murderer that Vivian commits and her own, like, self-surrender. It was all on her terms. Yeah. Even when she turned herself in. Like, so that was a nice, to me, little, like, twist at the end where it's like, yes, all this justice, you know, has been served, but it was all on her terms. Like, she took matters into her own hands and then she fixed it on her own. And I guess you could argue, oh, it was not right for her to be free for 20... however many years. But I'm cool with it. I'm, I'm, I've made no, peace with it. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with that, you know... If a serial killer confessed to me in an empty motel room and then came at me, I, I would. I'd kill him too, I bet. <laughs> I would at least try. Because otherwise, I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not going to be. Everyone who loves me better hope I kill him. Yeah, for real. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, liked, I liked the ending um, that it all just kind of brought to the forefront, like, systemic violence and sexism and taking justice into our own hands. And also showed the progression of, like... Hopefully we're better than we were in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I hope. Um, so, yeah, it was a, an enjoyable read. It was fun and it was quick, but it also, like, gave me some stuff to chew on. Yeah. So that was nice. A little bit of substance with your mm-hmm. entertainment. Yes, which I, I enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that makes me so happy. Yeah, I Yeah, I didn't really know why you would or wouldn't like this book. I just thought, like, commercial thriller. It's right. very just, like... You know, it's fun. Book of the month, packaged commercial thriller. But and we're that's not gonna not... knock book of the month. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was like, that's just not really her thing. And I wondered if you would have beef with the dual timeline. Oh. Um, not the dual timeline, but the I could never figure out if you inherently don't like chapters that switch POV every time. Oh. No, it doesn't bother me. Okay. Interesting um... to know. Yeah, I know, like, They Never Learn was like that. Yeah. Have I read another book that was like that? I don't know. I read lots of books like that, so it's some... Um, is that a pretty common thriller? It is a very common thriller thing? trope. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and Leaving Time had a lot of alternating. Yeah. It doesn't bother me um, as a rule, no. Okay. 
Oh, interesting. interesting. Yeah. So yeah, I couldn't like nail down like Hannah's gonna hate it because this. I just thought, eh, not your style. So I'm very yeah. happy to yeah. hear. Well, cool. It was good. Well, like I said, this is a book that I borrowed from Lauren. Right. This was like maybe April 2020. So oh, fresh COVID. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> but not super fresh. You've been locked down for a, a couple weeks, and it's like, what do I do now? I've read all the books I have. <laughs> or, I've cleaned out my game closet. The refrigerator is spotless. Yes. So Lauren and I were like, do you have books I could read? And so we did like a switch. Oh, I made a little idea. stack of books for her. She made a little stack of books for me, and we like left them on the porch. And you know, so I walked outside and had a little stack of books on the chair Aww. by the porch, and this was one of them, and I'm pretty sure it's the first one I read. I love a book where you get to a certain point and you're like, who am I kidding? I'm not putting this down now. I might as well just forget everything yeah. else. And I especially like when it's like a hundred pages to the end or something. You haven't quote unquote almost finished it. There's still... You tell yourself that. There's still a fair piece left. But I got to a certain point and just went... I mean, I'm not going to go to bed. So <laughs> like, I might as well just I'm not going to stop reading this. Good. And I, I just like that grippingness. I do remember feeling like some of the things were like predictable, but as a thriller reader, there's a balance between predictable and, you know, it's fun to solve the mystery with yes. them. Yes. I think it... I think thrillers would not be as much fun if things literally came out of nowhere and you were like, I never saw that coming. It's fun to five pages before they reveal it, you're like, he's the murderer. He's the murderer. And you like watch them put it together and you're like flipping faster. Like, girl, just get to the part get where you figure it out. to the same conclusion I have reached. Yeah. Place. That part is fun for me. You don't want to figure it out on the first page. Right. There's, there's a balance. Like if you can see the whole thing coming a mile away, no. But figuring it out, being one step ahead of your, of your hero is fine. But then I do like when there's one thing that I did not get. Oh, you know, there's okay. got to be that one thing where I'm like, oh, right. I had you figured out on these two things, but you didn't have me on this. And I think for this, it's been a while since I read it. I think that I did not predict that Viv was still alive. Oh, I think that gotcha. might have been my like, oh. That, and that, I could see that happening. I don't know why I, I think I knew that. that I think I knew that Simon was in the car. I just didn't know that Viv was alive. Right. Okay. Because those two things could have both been true, you know? Yes. And I feel like it was pretty evident. Like, I don't feel like St. James was trying to hide that Simon was the serial killer. Yeah. From the first time you meet him. That yeah. was not... He's shady from the beginning. Oh, yeah. Like, that is one thing that is interesting about this book. All the males that are shady, you know they're shady. Yeah. Like, hello. Uh, I'm probably someone you should avoid. Yeah. <laughs> Great. I think the only reason that I assumed Vivian was alive is because I assumed she killed him. Right. And that that would be the reason she would have to go into hiding. Mm -hmm. um, and that makes sense. And like I said, I don't quite remember exactly what I was thinking. And I'm pretty sure I finished this very late at night. And probably like I said, quickly. Yeah, so. I was just flipping pages. And I just love that experience. For me, a book gets a rating based on how I felt Yes. reading it. It's the experience for me. Yes, that's that's true. Do you remember the first book you stayed up all night reading? Ooh. Because I remember mine. I don't remember. I remember having that feeling, but I don't remember the name of the book. Oh, really? Mine was Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Ooh. The second book, I was 
in it. Like, I think I was in fourth grade, and I was up in bed all night, like, what's going to happen to Ginny? Mine was probably around that age, like fourth or fifth grade. But I love that feeling. Mm -hmm. It's a good feeling. Yeah. Um, I also thought that it blended supernatural elements into a realistic story in a seamless way. Yes. Um, I hate when the supernatural gets hokey. And I didn't feel right. like this got hokey. I didn't even the little boy. There, there's a little boy that like yeah. drowned in the pool. That could have easily ghost kids. Yeah, can be hit or miss. Especially if they're wearing like a long white dress. I mean, it's uh, just like no. <laughs> no. This kid was wearing like pool shorts. <laughs> ghost trope. And like I already said, I hate when everything is like explained with magic and supernatural, oh, right, whatever. Right. Um, we both love a generational saga. Yes, we do. Um. And I thought that it had really good plotting. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about parallel timelines. Okay. I really like the parallel timeline structure in novels. And like I already said, that's really common in thrillers. I think probably most common in thrillers than any other genre. Yeah, I know I've read books that have that before, but I can't recall them now. It's not... Well, and I'm also saying parallel timelines, like historical fiction where, like, there's, you know someone in the now like cleaning out their grandma's attic and then it also flips back to the grandma's whatever mm-hmm. um i consider those like alternating timelines and oh, but right. uh they never learn and this one are very parallel timelines like yes. the same beats are happening at the and same that time requires some you know intentionality yeah. on the author's part yeah i really like that I just really like that structure, mm-hmm. and my most recent two novels are done in that way with oh, parallel okay. timelines, and I like doing those that symmetry of the same beats and like dropping some of the same clues in the different timelines and some of the same themes per chapter. Like hopefully not in a way that's like redundant or hokey, but but it's nice to have as a reader that pattern recognition light come on in your head. Yeah, it's a nice pattern. And I feel like parallel timelines are a really great way to give the reader tidbits of information that they need at the right time. Like, if you never go back in time, you have to, like, be in the present solving a mystery all the time. time. (laughs) Right. Um, But if you go back and you find, I think it's a really nice way to leak information inappropriate Mm -hmm. times. Yeah, it gives you a structure as the author to hang on to and say, you know... It's like a slow-release medication. Yeah. (laughs) Extended release. When it's done well, I think it's a really great way to do it. Um, And I personally identify with it and use it. I actually used this book as a comp title for my second book, a revenge thriller featuring a potentially haunted house told in parallel timelines. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I guess I'll... Yeah, what's a comp title? I I said a comp title. Um, Mm -hmm. So when you're trying to get published, you have to have a finished, polished manuscript and you write what's called a query letter to literary agents. Right. And your query letter is a short explanation of what your book is and you're supposed to give at least two and no more than like four comp titles or comparative titles. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So Like my book is kind of like this Yes. Book. And helping explain why it's like that one um and that helps an agent realize you know oh it's got this this element from you know or this vibe yeah 
some similar themes or like a similar voice to this and it helps them land on whether or not they would like it and how well you identify your own comp titles says a lot about when if someone reads oh. it and you're either correct or incorrect sure that's very helpful to people and telling i'm sure <laughs> yes yes um so i used this one as a comp title for my oh, second cool. book so i liked it that much now i want to read your second manuscript <laughs> i'll i'll let you okay great i loved the true crime easter eggs so yeah the dedication for this book is to the odd girls the nerdy girls and the murderinos I'm, this one is yours i noted that and i thought yes i'm not gonna get this <laughs> but i i knew what it was like, yeah, I I could tell why you like this book because yeah. you listen to true crime podcasts. Yeah, and specifically, Murderinos <laughs> is like the name for fans of my favorite murder. Oh, and I know. Okay. Yeah, it okay. relates more broadly to true crime fans in general, but like their group of people is Murderinos, and ah. so seeing that specifically in the dedication, I was like, "Girl, I got you." That's cool. I know what you're saying. I think doesn't Carly reference true crime podcasts a uh -huh. couple of times? Okay. She references true crime podcasts, and there's a family named McNamara, as in Michelle oh, McNamara right. from "I'll Be Gone in the Dark." I didn't even. I was just listening away. I mean, I think it would be very easy to be like, "That's just a name that she picked," but like. She's a murderino. Sure. She's honoring Michelle McNamara. That's cool. Yeah. So while I was coming up with notes for this, and one of the things that I really liked about it is that I was in on the joke. You know, I love an Easter oh, egg. Oh, yeah. One okay. of the big reasons I love Taylor Swift is because she's famous for her Easter eggs. Honestly, if she weren't so Easter eggy, I'm not sure I would be that attached to her as a, like... That's okay. I love her music, well, but, but I love her uh, clue. That's fun. Clues. It's It's... That, like, putting the puzzle together yeah. part of your brain. Like, being a Taylor Swift fan is like solving a murder. And it's also like, that should be on a t-shirt. <laughs> um, I don't even remember what I was going to say. <laughs> but, yeah, it's... It's fun to put the pieces together, I think, is what you were saying. I, yeah, well, and I was also thinking to myself how interesting it is. We're talking about Easter eggs. We're recording this the week Easter is Yeah, happening. it's almost Easter. I have to go buy some plastic eggs for my I also have to buy preschool. an Easter basket for my kids. Yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> Off topic. Yeah, so since I was thinking true crime while I was doing notes for this, I was like, interesting. True crime is kind of like a semi-recent phenomenon, like really blowing up. It's been right. around for forever. You've but... always had those documentaries. Yeah, but... but then it became like really popular. Mm -hmm. And... It's largely popular with women, which mm -hmm. is almost weird because women are the ones who have crime perpetrated against them most often. And so I was like, why do women like true crime? And so I Googled that. Um, <laughs> I, can I speculate? Yeah. Shining light on something that like to make it less scary. Yeah. Like we're going to bring attention to this thing that's happening because mm -hmm. I feel like that's what this book is doing. Yeah. Like we're going to instead of, you know, let the monster be in the dark, we're going to shine the light on it mm -hmm. and expose it for what it is. Yeah. That's what I got. That's definitely one of the big reasons is people think or women specifically who listen to a lot of true crime are either intentionally or subconsciously hoping to learn something. What, oh, sure. what happened to this person that I can then not do? Right. Not that it is in any way a victim's fault, but right. if there's something I could do to help prevent, now I know that. I'll put that in my back pocket for later. I've even done that, I think, just, like, unconsciously. Just yeah. noted things and, yeah. okay, self-preservation. Yeah, 
And yes, turning on the light, checking in the closet, mm -hmm. making the monster less scary by looking it in the face. Um, women are much more likely to empathize with a victim. Mm. Um, and they're much more interested in the psychology of perpetrators, not usually in a like sympathizing with them way, but like, what made you be so crazy pants kind of way, almost so that you can like see the signs in it later. Like, and, and is, do you wonder if that comes from that need to empathize too? It's like, I don't want to sympathize with you, but I want to understand Yeah. what made you this way. I mean, I've definitely wanted to understand a killer to be like, okay, well, if I see this in other people, I want to understand that you might have the perfect storm of things going on to mm -hmm. make you into a crazy person. Right. Um, I, it also is like a little bit of an outlet for female rage. Sure. Uh, <laughs> and it, in some ways it can help you feel like you're cheating death. You watch this thing happen to somebody else and it... Right. I I didn't get caught this time. This time it wasn't me. Right. Which if you're not a woman, you might not understand that feeling, but pretty much... More and more you might be, though. Yeah, I mean... I feel that a lot of like, well, this time it wasn't me. And maybe people of other marginalized communities yeah, certainly too. Yeah, for sure. This is from, uh, this is a quote from an article that I read about this topic of why women like true crime. A woman's fear and anger can be powerful things. That's the virtue of true crime. Um, no other genre gets to the core nagging feeling that most, if not all women harbor, that everything is fine, probably, but also might not be. I might be murdered just for existing. Oh. <laughs> and another quote from an article that I read. Uh, I will link to it in the show notes. I just don't remember what it's called now. Um, the primary thing that any organism is trying to do is not die. But humans, <laughs> as far as we know, are the only ones who know that you can't do that. And so that creates this massive amount of anxiety that we have to manage. Otherwise, <laughs> we'd be curled up in the fetal position, not wanting to leave the house. In a way, true crime lets us feel on a subconscious level, like we've survived our greatest fear and final inevitable end. On some level, symbolically, it's like you found the loophole. And that's from clinical psychologist Krista Jordan. I thought that was... So it's an anti-anxiety. <laughs> anti-anxiety <laughs> medication. Okay, okay. Yep, that's I'm why dealing I've... with the anxiety of my mortality. By I'm... watching serial killer <laughs> yeah, documentaries. Yeah. This and... makes me feel a little better about some of my students that are very clearly obsessed with yeah. these, like... Ramirez Brothers and Ted Bundy and yeah. Jeffrey Dahmer shows on Netflix now. Yeah. Oh my I definitely do not support fangirling in any way. Like, yeah. do not ever be the woman who, like, writes to one of those men in prison. But if you're the one who's watching all the documentaries on Netflix, I think that's fine. And fist pumping when they get caught. Like, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Like, that's a different thing from being like, will you be my prison husband? <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. So let's talk about Simone St. James. Yes, I know nothing about her. Um, she describes this book as uh, psycho, not like the description. Right, yeah. Capital P, psycho, um, plus The Shining, plus Stranger Things, plus True Crime. Psycho, Stranger Things. The Shining. The Shining. Oh, and true and true well, no wonder I like this book. I love The Shining and I love Psycho. Yeah. And I liked the early seasons of Stranger Things. Yeah. I've read her... I think it's her first book, The Haunting of Maddie Claire, which won two Rita Awards and an Arthur Ellis Award. Oh. And I've also read The Book of Cold Cases, which I think is her most recent novel, Okay. Um, which won the Goodreads Choice Award for Mystery and Thriller in 2022. And I really liked that one, too. Oh, nice. I think this one was probably my favorite, though. 
I think Sundown Motel was my favorite, but I really did like Book of Cold Cases. Um, In her interviews, she talks a little bit about the publishing journey, which I was obviously very interested in. Yes, Tom. Stating that she received many, many, many rejections before finding an agent and that her debut novel was not at all the first novel she wrote, not by a long shot. That's comforting. This is something that, like, your layperson definitely does not know because I get this all the time. People, when I tell people I've written books, they're like, oh, where can I get it? I'm like, LOL. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, that's, and they're like, well, when are you going to get it published? Oh, sweet baby. (laughs) That is not something that I have basically any control over. Yeah. Um, It's pretty heavy gatekeeping. Yeah. And, man, back in the day, people loved to be like, well... J.K. Rowling got 12 rejections for Harry Potter. That's a Tuesday. (laughs) That 12 rejections? No. Like, some of your most beloved authors wrote nine novels before they even got an agent. And then they got an agent, and that book went on sub and didn't get it. What does go on sub mean? Um, So it's when your agent represents your book to a publishing house oh. that it's on submission. Your, on submission. Your editor gotcha. is submitting it to publishing houses. And so you can have a literary agent and a completely finished book that might be great, but if an editor from a publishing house doesn't pick it up, you are still unpublished. So some people can write five books before they even get an agent, right. get an agent, and then write five more books before they get a publishing contract. Yes, I did not know until you started this journey that, like, I think a lot of just regular people think you go straight from author to publisher and they don't realize there's that agent relationship that has to happen. And I've always equated it to like actors. Like Mm -hmm. I feel like most people know actors have agents and just because you're an actor in LA with an agent doesn't mean you're a movie star. It doesn't mean you even have work. (laughs) Right. But you've at least got somebody on your team like, yeah. Putting out your resume and your Having an agent means that somebody somewhere looked at your work and said, I could sell that. Right. And it doesn't mean that you have. It means right. that one person on earth thinks that they could. So if we if we all just take that paradigm we think of actors with and place it on authors, I think yeah. we'll have a better understanding. Yeah, and like you said, gatekeeping and yeah. there's the big five publishing houses and two of them conglomerated. And oh, cool. so now there's even fewer. Um, and the publishing industry is run by a certain, you know, white men, you know, and that's changing though. Right? It is, it is. Mm-hmm. And things are happening, but yeah, every book that you hold in your hands, just look at it for a moment and think someone had to work really, really hard yeah. to get this, this is in not your the hands. days of the Bronte sisters no, <laughs> or Jane Austen. <laughs> and, um, one of the things I think a lot, this is, man, there's a chance this sounds so haughty, but I'm going to say it anyway, and maybe I'll cut it. I really do believe that my second two books are very good. People have read them and Mm -hmm. said that they are good. I think there's definitely a chance that I and hundreds of other unpublished authors have someone's favorite book Mm. in their possession. I might have written someone's favorite book and maybe no one will ever read it because that's just how the world works. And that also means that someone in Washington State could have written my favorite book and it's sitting on their computer, on their external hard drive. You don't have it yet. I don't have it. And like, because of the way things work, like maybe something will sell that's too close to it. And so they're like, oh, we can't sell this. Oh, if somebody beats you to the punch. Yeah. And so like that one just gets put in a drawer, a you know, metaphysical drawer, um, metaphorical drawer. There you go. Well, sure. (laughs) Whatever. Whatever. Um, 
I just, I think about that of like, man, somebody's favorite novel is out there unpublished. And like my book could be somebody's favorite novel that they don't know about yet. Uh, I think that's kind of a cool thought though. Yeah. As an author and any of our listeners who are authors, like, I don't know. I would find hope in that. I'm not an author. I don't find it depressing. Yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's vaguely frustrating at least, but I, I, I like that thought that we're all creating things for other people to love. Yes. I mean, any art form. Yeah. Down to it. Yeah. Yeah. Creating things for other people to Mm -hmm. love. So that was a big, huge tangent on publishing, but I mean. But cool. And St. James has gone through this same ordeal. And she talked a lot about that stuff in this interview. And so that's what I was thinking. We've had this theme before of she, when she thinks of a book that she would want to read and she can't find it, she writes it. Uh, and I love that. And that's that's how I try to come up with books. I'm like, what do I want to read next? And I can't find it? Write it. I mean, if it was good enough for Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. Yeah. She wanted a ghost story that wasn't gory and mm. had... Um, this was not gory. That's yeah, right. It yeah, it was not. What I've learned about Simone St. James. She likes Grey's Anatomy. She likes My Favorite Murder. She likes Taylor Jenkins Reid, who I mentioned on our last episode as right. one of my favorite authors. She loves The Thirteenth Tale by Diane oh, Setterfield, oh, which we too. both love. Me too. Um, she was interviewed and asked um, to list her top ten favorite books ever. I'm guess. so I'm so excited. I didn't. Oh man, I didn't write all of them down. One of them though. Guess which one was her top favorite. I don't know. You're looking. I feel like I should. The know. Sacred History by Donna Tart. <laughs> Yay! So oh. all of that to say. I think that's my litmus test of whether or not I want to be friends with somebody now. Have you read The Secret History? And if so, do you like it? If not, we can't be friends. And therefore, I have a very important question for Simone St. James. (laughs) Will you be my new friend from Canada? (laughs) Oh, is she Canadian? Yeah, she lives in Canada. Oh, poor Brian. I mean... Have your people call my people, Simone, because I would happily... And and by the way, I'm her people, so (laughs) call me. Call me, Simone. I would love for you to be my next friend from Canada be... because I think I love you. I would like to hang out with her. Some authors that I research, I'm like, I want to have dinner with this person. I know. I don't want to be presumptuous, but, like, I think we could be best friends. We it have a lot like in it. common. So, I mean, I love. That I she... think all we would need to do is have coffee together. I mean, just The Secret History and The Thirteenth Tale. Like, I'm yeah. sorry. I, I'm interested to read more of her books. Yeah, I think that you, if you liked this one, you'll probably like the others. Is this the only one with a supernatural element? No. Oh, cool. Okay. They all do. Oh. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay. Do you have some scathing reviews uh, for me to read? <laughs> I do. Um, look, okay. So I have to say, these were some of the least fun one-star reviews I have looked up for really? this show. Even with books that I liked. Um, even with books like that you gave me the one-star reviews to that I had to read. Some were still fun. Like, they, they just weren't fun? No one had anything witty to say? There's uh, some wittiness, and I'll give you those. I found them. I didn't read every one-star review. But you know how before... Like with Hamnet, it mm-hmm. was like the things people didn't like about them were the things you liked. Yeah. And so it was just like, well, different tastes. Okay. Yeah. This did not happen with this book. I'm looking at all these one-star reviews and they're saying things that I'm just like, were we reading the same book? Like <laughs> things like slow plot. False. No character development. Also false. Ghosts not creepy. Uh, like, okay. I just, I was like, who are you people? <laughs> and what book did you read? Because I, so this was... You're the, allowed to have that completely incorrect opinion. I, yeah. It Free was, speech. It was weird. I've never, even the books that I genuinely hated, like, 
the one star reviews made more sense than this one. So anyway, I chose three that I thought were the best of the bunch. So here you go. We'll start out with, do you know how to pronounce that? Oh man, it's it's Irish and oh, I'm gonna try. Mm. Man, at one point in time I knew it because I've listened to so many of those TikToks where it's like I know. <laughs> they do Irish names. I mean, I looked it up. So, oh, what is it? Siobhan. Siobhan. S-I-O-B-A-H-N. Yeah. Just for... Okay. The, one of, the name of one of the actresses on Dairy Girls. Oh, man, I love Dairy Girls. Me too. Holy disappointment, Batman. <laughs> that was not good. <laughs> so, some witty. Yeah. I was really excited to read this because I really enjoyed The Broken Girls by the same author, but man, was this a letdown. The premise seemed decent, although kind of basic. However, I was pretty much struck right away with how unique Carly was, which really pulled me out of the story. Like, okay, when you're 17 and writing fan fiction for the first time, having a clear self-insert character who is super attractive but doesn't know it, nerdy and quote-unquote odd is one thing, but being a best-selling author and doing this is less okay. I disagree with how she's... I didn't even pick up on a lot of that with Carly, to be honest. I didn't think so, but I will continue. The only person more annoying than Carly was Heather, who didn't really play a role other than occasionally finding information on the internet. That's kind of true. Why was her being on medication mentioned so many times? (laughs) Again, she just seemed like a quirky friend for Carly and a way of pointing out that the weird girls you make fun of for being obsessed with true crime have a purpose. I don't know, man. There was also a lot of descriptions of outfits for some reason, including one character who was wearing a button-down, a hoodie, and a jacket because he really knew how to layer. (laughs) That's a quote from the book. Yeah. Hey, if you're in New York in the fall, you you gotta layer. And I honestly love the button-down hoodie jacket look on a guy. Fine with me. Uh Uh-huh. Anyway, the long and short of it is, this wasn't worth my time. Go listen to some true crime podcast while wearing a sassy graphic tee, and you'll basically get the gist of the book. I would love to. Thank you. Don't threaten me with a good time. <laughs> Another t-shirt idea. <laughs> You're on fire. Thank you. <laughs> Give me a microphone. Um, read Natasha next. I did not like this. It was repetitive, predictable, and underdeveloped. Characters were inconsistent, the supernatural elements were only kind of explained, and it was just underwhelming as a whole. And if I may, the line that almost made me add this to my DNF list, after experiencing a frightening encounter, our narrator gets stuck in a truck with a strange man nine years her senior and thinks to herself, in relief, there was a man taking care of things now. Thank you. Next. (laughs) Yeah. There were a lot of one-star reviews that really hated on Nick. The the love interest, yeah, which is not even that much of a love interest, but I I mean I forget this exact moment, but is it like Carly was scared? Yeah, they just saw some ghosts. Yeah, and she gets into a car with someone who's you know physically more powerful than her and thinks, oh, that's nice. Yep, that's not anti-feminism. That's being safe. Have someone faster and stronger next to you when you might be under attack. I. So, that is one thing in some of the one star reviews though I did I was like okay because if this were a movie Nick would be the one male character who's not the serial killer who you're like why is he really here he's just oh he's just eye candy okay I mean but I mean nothing wrong with that <laughs> that's but fine his his character a lot of people were like why is he here I, I like, mean I okay it. I didn't it's he didn't bother me though um and and with Lisa hot take the sundown 
Hotel. She wrote Hotel. She, she got did. the name wrong. She did. The Sundown Motel is one of the silliest, most contrived books I've read all year. I hated the YA vibes, the dull characters, and how tame, boring, and cheesy it all was. This is a book for ABC family or lifetime movie lovers. Competently written, but not for me. <laughs> ABC family? <laughs> that just... Hot take. <laughs> Hot take. ABC Hot. family. Pick this up. Hot take. Get the title right. I li- And I like the... Competently written, but not for me. Yeah. I feel like I could say that about many of them. This is on ABC Family. <laughs> it's, I mean, I guess it was tame cause, considering it didn't have, like, gore or sex. But it was still really I mean, intriguing. Just because something doesn't have gore or sex doesn't mean it's for children. Well, apparently Lisa <laughs> thinks it should be on this ABC. This is a children's book. <laughs> yeah, I also... YA vibes? I didn't get... I didn't get YA vibes anyway, either. Anyway, we can just agree that... The one-star reviewers on Goodreads this time really missed the mark. Gosh, man, where was the Raspberry Jam, you guys? There was not. Go back and try again. There... Just the holy disappointment, Batman. <laughs> so that's what we got. Okay, well, what do I have to read next week? Okay, so I have assigned, much to Stephanie's chagrin, um, a Margaret Atwood. I do like Margaret as uh, the, a person. Yeah, the first book in her Mad Adam trilogy called Oryx and Crake. The title is so weird. They're animals. I saw an oryx at the zoo last week. Those are animals? Yes. Oh! <laughs> you will find out. Okay. I obviously have not started reading it. Yes. Um, so, that's what you have to look forward to, dear listeners. Join us next week. All right. Thank you for listening to You Might Hate This Book. Join us again next week for more discussion of the books we love. And the books we hate. You can help others find this podcast by leaving us a review and five-star rating. And don't forget to hit subscribe. You can offer additional support and earn cool perks by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash hatethisbookpod. Special thanks to Montague Workshop. See you next week. Um, that makes sense to me. Yeah. So, where was I going with any?